Coming up on Home Dunk, writer, comic from Parks and Recreation, it's Joe Mandy talking about basketball and looming senses of doom. Doom looming with Joe Mandy coming up on Home Dunk. I hit a home dunk. I wish that you had shown up. I played over my head. Everything was off the charts. I jumped out the gymnasium and knocked it out the park. Did a handstand, I hit a grand slam, it was a great day for the fans, man. I got three sacks and broke three bats. I gave the crowd money plus free snacks. I did a hat trick and a backflip. It's on ESP and classic. And you weren't there, and it hurt me to watch them retire my jersey. I hit a home dunk. Thank you, Open Mike Eagle. This is Home Dunk. I am John Moe. Here with me, as per usual, writer, actor, performer, Mike Fotis. Hello, Mike. Hey, John. How's it going? It's nearly recreational softball season. Yeah, it is. What does that mean for you? It means we will be on a team until August. Actually, no, until closer to the end of October. There's three leagues we play in. And, three leagues. Uh, well, it just keeps starting over. Every oh, okay. Six weeks. One league leads into yeah. the next league. What'll happen is in the second league, we'll almost make the playoffs, and then we'll be destroyed in a really important game. Uh-huh. Um, the first six weeks is us really getting our footing. It's hard to score less than five runs in a slow pitch softball league, but uh-huh. we managed to do it. Wow. We managed to do it. And then by the fall, we've sort of given up, and now we're just hanging out and trying to go to the bar. Can you think of a, a Major League Baseball equivalent to your softball team? Yeah, the Chicago Cubs. The Chicago it's Cubs. It's absolutely the Chicago okay. Cubs. Without a doubt, it's the Chicago Cubs. So wherever you go, you carry with you the stink of failure. I do. Okay. I do. But we always go in every year more optimistic than we should be. We've done nothing to practice. <laughs> That's what I was wondering about. Like, are you one of these teams that really gets into it and really like... After every game, over wings, we say to ourselves, hey, let's meet a few minutes early and practice. <laughs> and <laughs> no I don't one think we've ever, 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 ever done it. Ever does. Well, you're approaching uh, sports, I think, in the right way. And oh, yeah. uh, speaking of sporting decisions... Chris Borland has decided to quit his job. People quit their jobs all the time, but Chris Borland is a linebacker with the San Francisco 49ers, 24 years old, and uh, just announced his retirement because he said he kind of thought about it and had had a couple concussions already earlier in his life and didn't want to uh, die earlier than other people were dying and just thought, hey, football's really bad for me. Uh, Have you been keeping up on this story, Mike? Yeah, I followed it. I was surprised to see that it happened. First off, I disagree with everyone saying that this is the first sign of the end of the NFL. This, Mike, is the first sign of the end of the NFL, but please continue. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. (laughs) All I can think of is when I was 24 years old, from the moment I got up, to the moment I went to sleep, <laughs> I'd made nothing but stupid choices that are going to impact my la- my later years. Not one moment did I make a choice that was like, oh, that'll help you in your 50s. This is a prudent investment yeah. in my future. So that's all I can think to myself is like, good on that guy at 24 to be able to pass up that much money. I don't know how it, what it was. I think it was like half a million dollars. I thought you were going to say that he was that he was another dumb 24-year-old making a rash decision to not get concussions and die early. No, man. The whole time I was like, wow, that's a pretty smart dude. Yeah. Good for him. I couldn't do it. I put myself in his shoes and under no circumstances did I not take that money for one more year. Oh, I mean, it, it's interesting too because people retire from football all the time. Most of the players retire because they 
no longer have a job, but there's plenty of cases where nagging injuries, you know, make it just too painful to keep going or they just lose their love of the game. That happens too. This doesn't seem to be anything like that. This is just making like a rational decision that this is bad and I, I can't do this. Anymore. I just want to know what his career backup plans are. By the way, I think he's right. It's it's He's smarter for not destroying his brain. Yes. All I'm saying is I can't get over how much money he's leaving on the yes. table. And you can judge me for what you want for that. I just can't get over it. I would go out and play right now Yes, if, if that much money was available yes. to me. And I'm old and broken and stupid already. Yeah. Yeah. What other careers does he have? Well, you remember the thing a little while ago it was on Deadspin kind of floated around Tom Brady's resume. Mm -hmm. Somebody found it like on LinkedIn or something (laughs) when he was getting ready to get out of the University of Michigan where he hadn't played much football, really. His resume said like, you know, classes that he took. I was on the University of Michigan football team, developed a leadership role. But I I always feel like those guys get jobs like from fans or boosters you know they always end up being investment bankers yeah the ones who don't end up like killing themselves at age 40 because their heads are a complete trash bin maybe he's smart maybe he's going to be a scientist maybe he already has an invention yeah it's possible i love that when you make an association with scientists the first place you go is inventing Oh, yeah. I guess any, are there inventors anymore? <laughs> Not really. Because it used to be a job. Well, Ron Popeil invented almost everything. He like, did. Like, he was on a real streak there. So right. I think he probably heard the industry of invention he on He used up all the invention. That's like a Joe DiMaggio streak of stuff that he invented. I guess now it's like product development. Like, if you're an inventor, you know, you're you're on salary for at Apple or somewhere else and you're, you know, developing things. Yeah. But you're not inventing things, are you? Where no, are the inventors? Really. If I could, I would invent a sandwich that never stopped. Yeah? So, like, if I just kept eating it, it would just keep going? You Great. can't invent that. You, I'm sure. No, no. That, I'm sure that's there's magic. you could do. There's a fine line between inventiveness and engineering and warping reality itself. No one can ever invent a sandwich that never goes away. We have explored like 1% of the rainforest. You're telling me (laughs) that there's not something in the rainforest. I'm just saying we should check in with this guy in a couple months to see what he was working on. To see if he was working on the sandwich? Well, it might not be the sandwich, but something like the sandwich. Anyway, yeah, Borland retires at the end of the NFL. It's It's all over now. Moving on, uh, this is the time of year when apocryphally, perhaps, or so the legend goes, all vasectomy clinics are booked up because all men who wanted to get a vasectomy anyway choose the time when they can sit on the couch with a bag of frozen peas on their crotch and watch all the college basketball games. I really didn't know where you were going with that. (laughs) I know, I know. I I tried to start talking faster because I sensed that you were in distress. And, uh, I really thought you were going to be like, and have you considered it, Mike? And Mike, no, I don't think you should reproduce, <laughs> is what I'm saying. Um, so it's the beginning of the college basketball tournament. I filled out my uh, my bracket for my wife's work. She thought that it was a very serious thing, and she actively hates sports. So I had to fill it out for her. And I was caught between the triple forces of absolute ignorance about what college basketball is is and who's good because it doesn't matter until the tournament the little knowledge that i have and then pure sentiment because Mm. for instance gonzaga always seems good and then they lose early and it makes me sad i have them 
well, losing, but losing in the championship game to Kentucky. Really? Yeah. Well, that's because that's I old. want it to happen. I want it to happen too. I I picked Illinois to win, and they're not even in the tournament. <laughs> <laughs> because you're from Illinois. I am. Yeah. I grew up a Fighting Illini fan, and they really blew it this year. <laughs> I I don't know. Like I've never done well on a bracket. I do one with my brother and a few other people. Yeah. And I'm usually eliminated within ten minutes of the first game. It doesn't matter if I pick. The sentimental favorite, of course they lose. Doesn't matter. If I pick the smarts, if I go with the smarts, yep. they end up losing in epic upsets. It doesn't matter what I do. Where you went to college, do they have a, a Division One basketball team? They have a Division Three basketball team. I went to a Division Three school. I so. went to a Division Three school as well. I'm not actually even sure how the tournament works yeah. for the Division Three. Like, because you just play and play and play, and then they like invite six teams, right? It's something like that. You keep playing until they tell you that that you need to go away now. Right. And then eventually you just get a letter saying that you won the championship that it, year. It, it comes about a week later and it says you won the championship and then you get like uh, a new basketball for each of each of the players, although the, the players obviously don't get to keep the basketball oh. because then they would be rewarded for their labor. Right. And uh, and we can't have that. We wouldn't want that. Yeah. No, I went to a Division three uh, school where I think the center on our basketball team was 6'2". <laughs> and... Uh, and uh, so I've always found myself rooting for the University of Washington, which mm. is the university that my sisters went to and where I was employed for a while. The radio station I worked for in Seattle was part of the university. Um, but it's always felt weird to me to root for to root for a university anyway. I mean, college sports is a sham, of course. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> And, yeah. and an exploitation machine. I'm glad we're not even going to debate it. We just no, <laughs> we just agree. Yeah, certain no, facts are inalienable. Not, yeah. Um, but yeah, I've always I've always felt a little weird about rooting for colleges that I did not go to. Well, I rooted for Butler pretty hardcore a couple years ago. The felt college like or a guy whose profession is Butler. <laughs> That's natural, a tip naturally. Uh, but no, the uh, college basketball team from Indiana. Yeah. Um, because that seemed they played. I think in the field house where Hoosiers was filled. Oh, right. I could be totally wrong. About about that, but they are from Indiana, and Hoosiers is filmed in Indiana. So I that was pretty exciting. Those guys were like underdogs, you know. How do you decide who to root for? Because I, you know, Nina, our producer, might cut off my mic after I say this. I've always kind of liked Duke because I felt like they were getting a good education. I root for the the teams from the schools with good academic reputations. I always kind of root for Stanford. Uh, I root for for Duke, and uh, I think that's it. Because I don't think any of the other smart schools have really good teams. Well, I keep waiting for the day that Northwestern has a good team. It's not ever going to happen. It's never, ever going to happen. You know why? Because they're not in the Northwest. I'm from (laughs) Seattle, and this has always bothered me. When I was a kid, I heard of Northwestern University. I'm like, oh, is that in like Bellingham or Tacoma? No, it's in Evanston, Illinois. It's in like the Northeastern part of the state-ish. It's in the northeastern part of a state that's in the middle of the country. Yeah. It doesn't totally work. I'm not saying that it does. But is it... But North... It, Evanston is northwest of the city of Chicago, right? Uh, maybe. But haven't you ever looked at a map of Chicago? Yeah, but I knew how to get to Evanston, so I, I was like, just follow this road and I'll get there. From where I live, you would take the Dan Ryan. By the way, if you're making a freeway and you're naming it after Dan Ryan... Shouldn't it be Daniel Ryan? Do you really need the informal case? Shouldn't you class it up a bit, wear a tie, 
and call him Daniel Ryan? No, because when you're on the Dan Ryan, when you're on the interstate, don't you want to feel like you're on the back of a good friend? <laughs> Dan? Yeah, I'm going to get on Dan. Nobody yeah. says that. But I'm going to get on the Dan Ryan and head home. It's it's just the way to be. I think all freeways should start being named uh, in informal cases of people who sound approachable. Good point. Um, and then there are the mascots in the, the NCAA <laughs> tournament, if I may segue perfectly. Which is always fun to watch. Does Stanford, I think, still has the, the spooky, spooky tree, doesn't it? I thought they're Stanford Cardinals. Well, Aren't no, they? it's the Stanford Cardinal, which refers to the color of uh, red used in their logo. Oh, seriously? And then there's a tree, which is also in their logo, which has something to do with Leland Stanford, uh, the founder of the university. And so the mascot is this big, googly-eyed freak tree. I think if all the college mascots or just colleges in general went to a party, yeah. people would try to avoid Stanford just because of what you described. I think if all this happened and my school was invited, people would avoid our mascot even more, even more than the Stanford Cardinal tree, even more than the University of Santa Cruz banana slugs, even more than the Whittier College poets. My own college, Whitman College, home of the fighting missionaries. Really? Fighting missionaries. We were the fighting Scots of Monmouth College in Monmouth, Illinois. Nice. And the Scotsman drawing or whatever was pretty, like, kind of cute and adorable when I went there. And progressively, each and every year, he's becoming meaner and meaner. Oh, and to okay. me, it's just hilarious. <laughs> yeah, they used to. Well, the, the mascot for uh, the Oregon Ducks, which is a form of Donald Duck, uh, used to be a lot more comic. The yeah. gopher at the University of Minnesota used to be adorable. And I wish they'd go back muscular. to the old school gopher. I know. What a cute guy. I guess that's what you don't want to necessarily have happen when you're like, the other team sees you. are like, that's a pretty adorable mascot. What an adorable opponent we're <laughs> facing. But I, I, I okay, so so we're, we're resolved then that... Uh, that Chris Borland needs to invent an eternally regenerating sandwich. Yes. Maybe he retired to rename all the interstates. I hope so. Uh, we're resolved that uh, that freeways need friendlier names. Yes, for sure. And we're resolved uh, that everyone should be afraid of, I think, most mascots. Yeah. Well, most mascots, even if they're adorable, are like eight feet tall. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's a losing proposition. Mike Fotis, thanks. Thank you. I hit a home dunk. Talking with comedian and writer Joe Mandy, Minnesota native Joe Mandy. Hello, Joe. Hi, how's it going? Well, it's going okay. It's it's going intriguingly, uh, is the adverb I would use here in Minnesota with the Timberwolves. And uh, it, it there's so many storylines going on right now. And as a, as a uh, professional writer of storylines and as a Minnesota Timberwolves fan, I'm wondering what you're <laughs> thinking of the team these days. Um, I'm really liking the team. I love the move of bringing Kevin Garnett back just to yell at all the young kids. <laughs> Was it a good basketball move, do you think? Who knows? When you are like so deeply under 500, I, still, I don't even think basketball moves matter at a certain point. I mean, I, I, it's very Minnesota to trade for a player simply for sentimental reasons. <laughs> How far back with the team do you go? Since the beginning, since they started out? No, I moved to Minnesota when I was uh, about 10 years old. So I guess 19, I mean, it was close to their inception, but it was like 93. Okay. Yeah, right before Garnett got there, I guess. 
What's it been like being a being a Timberwolves fan? It seems to all depend on guys named Kevin, whether they're Garnett, Love, <laughs> or McHale, or Martin, or Martin. Thank you. It's very hard. I mean, we had a couple good years there. Um, I, I remember trying my best to buy Latrell Sprewell shoes that had spinning rims on them. <laughs> so that's where I was at. Uh, yeah, it's difficult. Um, but what's nice is like. Uh, I live in Los Angeles now, and I'm I'm almost certain I'm on the only person in the state of California with a license plate frame that says Minnesota Timberwolves. <laughs> so, you know, I feel unique at least. So, so you're in LA now, and it it strikes me, uh, in, and I'm a big fan of of your work and of your Twitter feed. Uh, you don't have that those uh, those soft rounded Minnesota edges anymore. You've got uh, no. you've got some bite to you, and I wonder when that. When did that take effect? Um, that's, I think it's always been there. I, I Like I said, I moved to Minnesota when I was a kid, so I don't think I was indoctrinated properly okay. with Minnesota niceness. Where'd you move from? Uh, I grew. I was born in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Um, speaking of, of Kevin, so you're, you're pro-Garnett coming back just because it's fun yeah. for him to yell at people. At his first practice, he yelled at Nikola Pekovich twice. And uh, <laughs> it's been reported that... Nobody has ever yelled at Nikola Pekovic in yeah. his entire life. That's like yelling at uh, like a character from Game of Thrones. Like <laughs> he's so imposing and scary. Doesn't he? Have, he's getting a tattoo of a suit of armor on his arm. Is Garnett is like he, no, no Pekovic. Pekovic. Like oh slowly, yeah, he's slowly tattooing himself into a knight. <laughs> he's <laughs> psychotic. He's got like depictions of of like violence with swords speaking of game of thrones yeah. of, of like executions on his body yeah i mean that's why i was a little sad that karolenko left because he's turning himself into a dragon <laughs> via tattoos so like a knight and a dragon it just really fit well together i know and now and now karolenko's out of the league too so i'm sure he's like an assassin for vladimir putin at this point <laughs> Well, and Karolenko had the arrangement with his wife. Did you ever hear about that? Yes, I did. It's very cool. Yeah. Me and J.J. Redick both kind of have similar. Oh, J.J. Redick uh, has that too? I think so. I think he has an arrangement, yeah. Where you get one free pass uh, outside the, <laughs> the bonds of matrimony per season? Yeah. So now you're in L.A. How long have you been in L.A.? Uh, um, Coming up on three years now. Okay. Have you adopted a team out there? Are you you can't really be a Lakers fan because they used to be the Minneapolis Lakers, and that's no. I hate the Lakers. Good. I, good. Uh, I go to a lot of Clippers games actually. What are the Clippers games like now compared to three three years ago when you first moved there? I mean, they've just become the Lakers, kind of like that's the those are the games all the celebrities go to. It seems like. And I, I was at a game. I was at a game late last year. It wasn't maybe it was a playoff game. I forget. But Jack Nicholson was there, and I was like, "Come on, man! You can't do that." <laughs> I know the Lakers are bad, but you're you're the Laker guy. Yeah, you can't have two teams. No. Oh man. Oh, I, I wanted to ask you too about the 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 Kevin situation with Kevin Love. So the uh-huh. the, the trade before the season seems like it's worked out well. Uh, especially for the Timberwolves, with Wiggins coming on like he has, what do you, yeah. what do you as a as a writer, as a screenwriter, as an imaginer of characters, think of the character of Kevin Love? Um, I think you know it's sort of like a I don't know if it's like a Greek tragedy, but you know he wanted he wanted to leave, he wanted the bright lights, and it, it hasn't worked out. I feel 
I feel a little bad for him. Yeah. He's just become like such an afterthought on the Cavs and, you know, he could, he did so much for the Timberwolves when he played for the team. And now he's basically just like a spot up shooter on the Cavs. Yeah. But like, I do think like he just bit off more than he can chew. I think, I mean, like who knows, who knows if he'll even be back on the Cavs next year. I could definitely see him playing for the Lakers or something next year. Yeah, people have really turned on him here in in the Twin Cities because he wanted to get out, and I sort of felt like, well, you're you're in your early twenties, you grew up on the West Coast, and then you have to live in Minnesota during the winter. It's a little understandable yeah. that you'd want to get out. I get it, but then like, and then I understand getting you know wanting to play with LeBron James, sure. but you know, going from Minnesota to Cleveland, <laughs> your dream like, come true. Yeah, you get to go to I Cleveland. Well, let me let me quiz you a little bit. See if you're you're up for this. Uh, okay, I'll give you the name of an NBA player, and you, as a big shot Hollywood screenwriter, okay. uh, tell me who you would cast in that part, and whether their story would be a comedy, a tragedy, a comeback story, a romantic comedy. Give me a genre along with the okay. the actor. Um, let's gotcha. start. Let's start with Kevin Love. Kevin Love. That let's see. Who would he be? Well, it would certainly be like a, um, it would be a tragedy. Okay. It would be like a story, kind of like Wolf of Wall Street, like a guy who thought he was too big Uh, and then is kind of like, uh, you know, destroyed by his own hubris. His own hubris, exactly. I'm I'm trying to think, maybe uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. Okay. Okay. No, on stilts. <laughs> All right. How about Kevin Garnett? Kevin Garnett would be Lance Reddick from The Wire. Okay. That would be sort of like uh, a like a gritty, like sort of like Training Day style movie, except like he seems like a villain, but in the end, he's doing it for all the right reasons. Mm, he's got a heart of gold. Yes. But he just acts like an angry mummy all the time. <laughs> oh, you know what? Let's make it a mummy movie. Oh, cool. I like that. Yeah. So Tim and Brendan Fraser. Okay. You keep Reddick? Kevin Garnett is just a, a mummy. So Reddick plays Garnett or or Frazier? Actually, it'll be like the clumps. He'll play both characters. Oh, okay. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. Good work. Uh, all right. Let's move on and uh, do some casting for the Ricky Rubio project. Okay. Well, Ricky Rubio, who, who would play? I mean, like, I would love for Ricky Rubio to play himself. He's charismatic. He's very charismatic. I think. I think instead of a movie, it would be like a sort of motivational speaking okay. infomercial called Change That Face, <laughs> where he just tells people to change that face <laughs> and be happy. <laughs> um, and Andrew Wiggins. Andrew Wiggins, um, I would love to be played by like a nine-year-old boy. <laughs> <laughs> because like when I watch Andrew Wiggins play, like, I mean, I'm 31, uh-huh. And he makes me feel so old. Yeah. It's because he's just got like this delightful smile and he was born in the 90s. So to me, like, it would be, I would like to make a movie about Andrew Wiggins, but make it more unbelievable. So he's a nine year old boy, kind of like rookie of the year or something. Oh. He's like a nine year old boy who makes it into the NBA or like Mike. I guess like a little, little Bow Wow movie like Mike. So he has like some sort of fantastic wizard powers, like he finds a crystal at a yeah. basketball court. And actually, then... it's a lot. actually, have you ever seen the movie Thunderstruck starring Kevin Durant? Have you ever seen that? No, I, I'm a Sonics fan, so I can't watch anything with Kevin Durant. It's against my religion. Yeah, well, if you ever get over that, there's yeah. a movie <laughs> streaming on Netflix 
starring Kevin Durant. It's called Thunderstruck. And it's a very, like, late 80s premise movie where, like, he and this little boy from Oklahoma City, like, touch the same basketball. Uh-huh. And all of Kevin Durant's powers are transferred over to this junior high school age boy. And he becomes very good at basketball. And Kevin Durant stinks. It looked like he was shot for $300. <laughs> Is Durant a, an actor? Like, is he any good? No, he's um, not. Okay, good. You know, Space Jam is one of my favorite movies, as is Kazam. I think Kazam gets a bad rap. I think Shaquille O'Neal is like a very good comedic actor in Kazam. Talk a little bit more about that, if you could. What's I've never been tempted to see Kazam. It's the one where where he plays a genie, right? He plays a genie. Yeah, I do feel like I have to disclaim this by saying <laughs> I I did start watching a lot of Kazam around the same point in my life that I started smoking a lot of marijuana. <laughs> so I, it's hazy, but I remember it's about this kid who is like getting bullied. And then he ends up in this, like, empty warehouse and finds, like, a genie lamp. And then, like, Kazam is his genie. And Kazam also has his own ambitions to become a rapper. So then Kazam, it, you know, it's kind of like Kazam's struggle of whether or not to, like, help this kid out and grant his wishes while at the same time trying to become a rapper. Wow. And uh, there is a scene where he raps with the brat. Well, it's been too long. Um, now, you uh, you worked on Parks and Recreation for many seasons, and you guys you guys loaded up with NBA players on that show. You yeah. loaded up with Indiana Pacers on that show. Yeah, it's pretty great. Uh, so who did you have? You had Detlef Schrempf, Roy Hibbert. Schrempf, Roy Hibbert. We also had a lot of uh, Indianapolis Colts. But yeah, Hibbert, right. Hibbert's like a true comedy nerd. I love that, dude. How is Roy Hibbert a comedy nerd? I mean, he was telling us that, like, being an NBA player, you spend most of your time, like, on airplanes or in hotel rooms just watching TV. Uh-huh. And so he just consumes everything. He watches, like, everything on Adult Swim. Because before I worked at Parks and Recreation, I wrote for a very cult, very unknown show called Be Located. Sure. It was a John Glazer show. Yep. And, like, he, he knew about it and was, like, quoting Be Located when I first met him. It was very, very unexpected. Was there... On oh, that's par- right. Chris Bosch. Chris Bosch was on. Oh, Chris season. Bosch, yeah. So. Was there a concept on the show when it came to using NBA players of, like, who, how they would fit in with the, the Pawnee universe? Because they always seemed a little bit obtuse. And I don't know if that was an, a conscious choice or not. You know, it's all just based on... Their availability is usually like, you know, two hours. You can't you can't make them, you know, elaborate storylines and you want them to play off of ridiculous people. That's why like uh the the Dutless Shrimp stuff and the Hibbert stuff, they're always playing off of like John Ralphio or Tom Haverford and you know, right. you just let those guys act like idiots and see their reaction. <laughs> um, did were those filmed in LA? Because I know you you filmed a lot of Almost everything in L.A., but I know the cult yeah. scenes must have been in Indiana. Those were in Indiana, and that was always a big deal. But, yeah, um, actually, I think the story I heard about Hibbert was he saw an episode of The Good Wife that Derek Rose appeared on. <laughs> and he was like, well, if Derek Rose can be on The Good Wife. I want to be on shows I like. <laughs> and my boss, Mike Schur, literally got a phone call one day from Roy Hibbert's agent saying, um, Boy, Hibbert wants to be on Parks and Recreation. <laughs> and, you know, Mike was like, oh, yeah, okay, we'll, we'll try to make that work. Yeah. 
Um, and Parks and Recreation just recently wrapped up. And congratulations on just making such a, a wonderful show for, for as long as it went. How does it... Uh, Thank you. I'll take all the credit. Yeah. My family are, are all big fans. My daughter in particular uh, went to a finale party at her friend's house. It went so far... She's 12. It went so far as she introduced the idea that we should all have calzones at this party and then everybody shot it down. <laughs> you can say that calzones are terrible. Yeah, calzones are terrible. That, that was the secret layer. Um, how, uh, how does it feel to have that whole thing uh, over with? Um, it's weird, you know? Like, I uh, keep expecting to go back to work. And it's like, it's over. And I think they've already replaced our set with, like, uh, The Voice or something. Uh-huh. I don't even know what the, what's replaced our set, but, like, yeah, it's kind of a brutal business. Like the last week we were writing, people are coming in and already talking about tearing stuff down and <laughs> replacing our offices and stuff. But, uh, you know, I feel really, really, um, you know, honored and hashtag blessed to have worked on that show. Uh, you know, I got to work there for three years and I, you know, met, you know, a bunch of people that are going to be uh, friends for life. I mean, that's the thing, too, is like, I don't know. Uh, it's, everyone has this experience, but I definitely like working at parks was like the last few months I was there. I was trying to like remind myself to like, uh, in, in, you know, enjoy myself. Cause it was like, Oh, I'm never going to have a job this good again. I don't know. Yeah. Like, we had, uh, we had Keegan and Michael key on wits, uh, last, uh, last fall. And he was flying out from our show and he's, he said, yeah, I got I'm filming parks and rec next week. And there was just this glow that he got when he, when he talked about doing that show, it just, I know. Yeah. seemed like a real he, special yeah, he thing. Was so good. Yeah. He's great. Uh, Joe Mandy is a writer and a comedian. You can uh, hear his new mixtape album, Bitch Face. It is very funny and enjoyable. Uh, Joe, <laughs> Joe Mandy, th- <laughs> Bitch Face, it is enjoyable. I work in public it radio. Is. Thank you. I'm going <laughs> to use that as a pull quote. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, you know, really just on a public radio podcast to say Bitch Face was really a remarkable <laughs> advancement. <laughs> Yeah. Here, so we really we really did something. Joe Mandy, thanks so much. Hey, thank you. It's been a pleasure. Turning to Canadian football, well, it looks like Jeffrey Orridge got the job. He's the new commissioner. He's succeeding Mark Cohan. Obviously, Orridge, previously a sports executive at the CBC, and now Commissioner Orridge. Congratulations, Commissioner Orridge. If you were betting on Orridge to be the new CFL commissioner, Orridge is the new commissioner. Congratulations, Jeffrey Orridge. Home Dunk is produced by Nina Potok and is part of the Infinite Guest Podcast Network. You can go to infiniteguest.org and you can find all the podcasts there. Secret Skin is on there. You must remember this is on there. Uh, Suddenly Susan with Brooke Shields is on there. The Odd Couple with Tony Randall and Jack Klugman. Very enjoyable podcast. Be sure to check that out. We get production help from Steve Nelson, from Peter Clowney, from people all over the Minnesota Public Radio, American Public Media Compound. I'm John Moe. Bye now.